0: Hello and welcome to The Short Squeeze, a podcast about what's happening in financial markets in the coming week. I'm Lucy Battersby, editor of Markets Live, a daily live blog on the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age websites. In this episode, we'll take a quick look at the economic data coming out this week. We'll discuss the ending of a whole suite of government economic support, such as JobKeeper ending, and what implication that might have. I'll chat about a finance related birthday present that I got a few years ago and what that has now turned into. And our guest will talk about brokers failing a new finance test. help me out this week, I'm joined by Charlotte Greve, who covers financial services for the Age and Sydney Morning Herald. Good morning, Charlotte. How are you? Hi, Lucy. Good, thanks. How are you? Good. Did I get your title right? It's financial services or is it something else as well?
1: Yeah, it's a bit of everything
0: from banking to insurance to financial services, whatever you want to call it. Okay, great. Uh, so we'll start off with the economic data. Um, First of all, I want to mention all the things that we're getting from the Reserve Bank this week because there's quite a lot. We've got at the start of the week, Governor Philip Lowe is talking at the Melbourne Business Analytics Conference. Uh, He gave a speech uh, late last week, which we flagged, where he spoke very candidly about the bank's intentions to keep rates low until unemployment is very, very low, possibly even below 4%. He keeps on pointing out no matter what the the pressures are, the bank is determined to keep those rates low. Assistant Governor Christopher Kent is giving two speeches this week. And in between that, there's the minutes from the early March board meeting. They're going to be released on Tuesday. Amongst the other data coming out at the front end of the week is the home sales and house prices. And then on Thursday, we get that very important unemployment rate, which is expected to fall slightly to 6.3%. So that just goes to show you how far we've got to go if we are, in fact, going to get unemployment below 4%. And on Friday is the retail sales for February, which is expected to be up about 0.5% from January. Internationally, there's an economic data dump from China on Monday and there's a uh, Federal Reserve meeting in the US later in the week. Um, Charlotte, is there anything special going on in your round this week that uh, people might be interested in? Yeah, absolutely. So
1: there's two pretty interesting court cases coming up this week, uh, both related to the banks. On Tuesday, we've got a case management hearing for a really interesting case involving a former ANZ executive who's actually suing the bank for unfair dismissal. It's thought to be the first Uh, test case of new whistleblower protections brought in following the Banking Royal Commission. And basically, it dates back to a a meeting in 2011 where this executive claims to have raised problems with uh, the bank bill swap rate. And then following that meeting and and other sort of reports of misconduct, he says he was fired uh, and and let go uh, unfairly. So that'll be an interesting one to watch. Uh, Then on Wednesday, we've got a, a case management hearing of a class action between Westpac's superannuation, um, BT, uh, and Slater and Gordon are, are running this this case as part of their $1 billion get your super back campaign. And, yeah, in this case they're, they're basically arguing that the fund took an unnecessary cut out of super returns from its members who were in the cash option. So that's that's a bit of an ongoing uh, case there following the Royal Commission again. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if there are any major developments on either of those cases.
0: Okay, great. Thanks very much. And now we wanted to talk a little about um, several changes that are coming in the next couple of weeks that signal that the government is leaving the kind of emergency help mode that it introduced a year ago to help parts of the economy that were being hurt by the lockdowns introduced to curb the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, Charlotte, first of all, we'll we'll mention the uh, JobKeeper, uh, which ends on 28th of March, and that means that the government's no longer going to be paying the wages of staff employed by companies that have seen a significant decline in income, I think the amount of JobKeeper has reduced somewhat. So at the moment, it's down to about $1,000 a fortnight. Uh, Last week, some Commonwealth Bank economists estimated that over 100,000 jobs would disappear when JobKeeper ends because that support's gone. So the business can no longer keep those staff on. So they'll simply sack them. Most of those jobs are going to be in um, sectors that rely on international tourism, and Charlotte, you wanted to tell me about a new kind of small business loan that's supposed to replace JobKeeper? Yeah, so it's it's not exactly
1: a new one. It's the third iteration of the government's small business loan scheme. The, the, the first version uh, was basically extending cheap lines of credit to uh, small businesses who were impacted by COVID-19 and they're partnering with the bank to really bring the interest rates down and uh, you know give them give the loans out over long terms but basically the the first iteration only around three billion out of the 40 billion available was taken up by small businesses I guess most people don't want to be taking on more debt when they're facing the uncertainty that COVID has brought but now I guess the, the government's hoping to so, sort of change ch- change tact. Um, with how it's helping small businesses. And instead of subsidising their wages, they're hoping to you know, give them loans to, to invest in their own businesses. And maybe now that everything's starting to open up and we're all starting to go out again, businesses might feel a bit more confident to invest in their own staff. So uh, the, new, the new scheme is a, an expanded version of the first one, uh, where basically the size of the eligible loans has increased from $1 million to $5 million and the turnover threshold for eligible businesses is now $250 million as opposed to $50 million. So basically bigger businesses can get the loans and they can get more money through the scheme, um, which should be available to around 350 businesses. And, uh, yeah, I guess the government and banks are hoping that this, this version will be more widely picked up than the last.
0: So they're really now looking to the bigger end of town to stimulate the economy rather than JobKeeper, which seem to help a lot of small businesses.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's they're trying to get um, a wider range of people, so the smaller players but also, yeah, the bigger and, and medium-sized businesses.
0: Now, I have, was having a look last night because um, when JobKeeper ends, those people will then, um, if they do lose their job and they don't have anywhere to go to, they're going to um, fall back onto JobSeeker, um, you know, colloquially known as the dole, And the COVID supplement that they're receiving also cuts out on the 31st of March. So if you're currently on JobSeeker receiving $1,000 a fortnight, that's going to drop down to about $615 a fortnight or $560 a fortnight if you've got a partner. And that takes into account the $50 increase that the government approved for JobSeeker a couple of weeks ago. So that's going to be quite a shock. That's a halving in income for anyone who, who doesn't have a job. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what impact that has on consumer data. And, Charlotte, I just wanted to mention one other government area of government, it's, it's not really government support, it's kind of government inaction that might take off again, is the Australian Tax Office has not been taking legal action over unpaid taxes for nearly a year now. And at some point later this year they're going to resume. So they will be lodging, winding up applications Um, for businesses that haven't paid their taxes. So there's quite a few kind of landmines coming up um, and hopefully the economy is strong enough uh, to withstand those.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the government does say that the best form of welfare is a job, but it's a a bit hard when there are no jobs out
0: there. (laughs) Indeed. All right, thanks very much. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back. In this section, we'd like to talk about the things that have caught our attention this week or that we find a little bit interesting. Um, I want to chat about a uh, present that I got uh, a few years ago from my brother in June 2018. He bought me 200 Cardano, which is a kind of cryptocurrency. At the time, these Cardanos were worth about 20 cents each, and I got $50 worth Last week, when I finally went back into the office for the first time in several months, I was able to dig out the piece of paper that he gave me that had the convoluted codes on it that I needed to recover the coins, and we discovered that the Cardano are now worth $1.56 each, making that present now worth $312. Uh, So I had to get my brother to open the wallet because I'm not allowed to download the slightly dodgy-looking software to my work computer that you need to complete the transaction or even to look up how much it's worth. And he ended up selling it to himself rather than paying the fees that you're, that he would have been charged by Coinbase to do the transaction. I think it was less than $10, but he still didn't want to uh, get charged the fees. And so I still own about half of that um, just in case it decides to take off. And I was having a look at, at how much that investment improved compared to some other investments. Even $50 of Bitcoin in mid-2018 uh, would only be worth $392 today. So it was just as good an investment as Bitcoin, this this other type of cryptocurrency. And if he'd bought me $50 worth of Fortescue shares, that would have turned into $223. $50 of Wesfarmers shares would only be worth about $75. But $50 of Afterpay shares in 2018 would now be worth $678. So, um <laughs> Take that what you will. Some some stocks pay off better than others. Charlotte, you wrote an interesting article that I saw during the week. That apparently whole floors of stockbrokers seem to be failing some kind of new financial services test. Can you explain that to us a bit better?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So basically, in the wake of the Banking Royal Commission, again, uh, the government introduced new legislation or a new regulatory reform package that was designed to professionalise, quote unquote, the industry. Uh, and what that, what a part of that is, um, making sure that everybody in who has a licence to provide financial advice uh, also have to sit this mandatory ethics exam. So that encompasses everyone from stockbrokers to mortgage lenders to um, a- anyone who, who, whose business comes under the banner of also being able to provide advice. But what the stockbrokers are saying is that the course is too geared towards financial advisors who deal with things that are completely outside their remit, such as, say, insurance or uh, welfare or tax Uh, And and they're basically at at a total loss. And so, you know, yeah, failure rates at the November exam, which was the most recently publicly available one, was uh, as high as 65% across the board. And in some firms, uh, such as Shaws, Bell Potter, Morgans, that was even higher. So with stockbrokers can only sit this exam once every three months. And so there's only three sittings of that exam left in the year. And if the stockbrokers don't f- pass this exam, they'll be booted out of the industry altogether. So there's real fears among the stockbroking community that the experienced brokers who, you know, have been doing this their entire lives are going to be out of a job.
0: And who, who wrote the test? Do, you, do we know?
1: Yeah, so it's an organisation called FASEA, um, and they are geared towards financial advisor ethics. They are you know, going to be phased out um, in, in the next year and so they'll no longer be around once the, the real ramifications of this test are felt throughout the stockbroking community.
0: Right. That's going to be very interesting to keep an eye on. Thanks very much, Charlotte, for joining us this week. No problem. Pleasure. This has been The Short Squeeze, a podcast produced by The Age and Sydney Morning Herald. You can follow daily stock market news on our live blog. Feel free to subscribe to this podcast via your podcast platform and you can catch us again next week.